Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents with me, your host, Valerie, and sometime co-host, Miss Purrington. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy. You can keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at Comedy Wham or on our Comedy Wham Facebook page. In addition to weekly podcasts, Comedy Wham brings you articles, album reviews, our new column, Rochelle Takes on Comedy, and our monthly Comedy Wham showcase at Hops and Time in Lakeway on First Tuesdays. Have you checked out our newly renovated events page for live shows in Austin, Houston, and DFW? If you're a comic in those cities and want your, short, your show featured on the calendar, go to the events page and click submit a show to complete the short survey. And if you like the new survey, send us a quick review and we'll share your review and promo your show on Instagram. Looking for ways to support all of these resources that we provide? Well, you can donate to Comedy Wham on PayPal, Venmo, or even Patreon. Search for Comedy Wham on Patreon and check out our subscriber perks. Now let's get back to our podcast. Launched in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations and will usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin comedy scene and beyond one of the best in the country. I think we should just now officially amend this to make the Texas comedy scene one of the best in the country. And, and that'll be borne out by today's guest. Uh, if you like this podcast, please rate and review us. Today, we are talking to the owner and producer of Claws Out Comedy. It is a comedy production uh, company and it's a media company as well. And by the way, our, our guest, uh, her official title is HBIC. And if you don't know what that is, uh, go Google it. You'll have fun. Uh, her album Unstable is available on all platforms with another album expected this year, which, by the way, I think when we announced that we were launching the DFW events page and I let her know she was doing a surprise taping of that second album that's coming out this year. She was recently fe featured on Binge TV's LMAO uh, last year and like I said, she is why we have our DFW events page. And now Comedy Wham presents Mana. Hi, thank Hi. you so much for having me here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I've, I've been trying to, I've been reading so much, but I've been trying to look at your coffee cup. Uh, it's, uh, it's one of your swag cups, isn't it? Oh, my coffee cup says mental health advocate. Yes, it's one of the calls out comedy pieces of merchandise that I've designed. Uh, one of the things that I uh, love doing about my research on you is your calls out comedy is so comprehensive, you know, with, uh, and obviously you designed it. You, you're very uh, proud of, of uh, the design work that you did for your website. And I like all of your merch and it's, it's uh, very cat oriented, which I'm a big fan of. Thank you so much. Yeah. So I was actually, I was working on a joke at the time that the idea came to me where uh, women were being compared to cats and I was irritated about it. So I was uh -huh. doing a whole joke about if you're going to be a cat, you might as well be an alpha pussy. So that's where <laughs> alpha pussy energy uh -huh. came from. And it's been a, it's been a long road. I actually just got my LLC for Claws Out Media and Entertainment. So we are uh, adding a couple different branches because we have Claws Out Comedy, obviously, and then uh -huh. we have Claws Out Comedy Records, and then we have Claws Out Media that helps with digital marketing strategy. So, well, congratulations. Uh, Thank you. I figure that the apocalypse is coming, so I might as well girl boss as close to the sun as I can before it explodes. <laughs> I hear you. We, Comedy Wham, did, we did ours finally last year, and I don't know what it means, but... <laughs> But it it's nice to have that official you know, designation. Being honest with the government just gives me such a warm, fuzzy feeling. <laughs> right? <laughs> Nothing satisfies me like reporting to the IRS. Yeah. Just in oh, case yeah. they're listening. I love it. <laughs> well, Mana, I do have an icebreaker, an official icebreaker question. Are you ready for yours? I am. I love okay. an icebreaker. All right. One word to describe your past. Hmm. Necessary. All right. Uh, do you, uh, so what's funny is I was thinking about the fact that you moved from Indiana to Texas. And I would imagine that one thing that is necessary about living in Indiana is warm clothing. 
Yes. So when I first moved from Fort Wayne, Indiana to Fort Worth, Texas, I got rid of every sweater that I owned because I thought I was moving to a a tropical wonderland. Uh, There was actually a giant ice storm the year that I moved here and my car door froze shut. I just remember I had like a lighter and I was trying to open my car door, kicking my door, just saying, I did not move here for this. (laughs) I had to slowly reacquire more winter clothing because I had given it all away because I thought I was moving to this wonderful, warm environment. Yeah. It was actually colder here when I got here. So. Wow. Wow. When I I wouldn't have expected that, but yeah, I, I was actually raised in Burleson, which is just south of Fort Worth. So when you said that you got rid of the sweaters, I'm like, oh no, girl, no. <laughs> we all make mistakes. We yeah. were. <laughs> I also true. moved here in a car that did not have air conditioning. So my first Texas <laughs> summer, it was all really good for my plot line. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It all, it all worked really nicely. Um, uh, I worked at a hospital when I first moved here. So I would just get a big 32 ounce cup of ice and then shove it down my shirt as I drove out to Dallas <laughs> to do open mics. And then I would change my shirt when I got there. <laughs> just in the parking lot so I didn't show up looking like I had sweat even though I absolutely had uh-huh so yeah. uh I assume that at some point an autobiography and a and a movie about your stories uh is in the is in the future for you you know I've been consuming a lot of uh books this year trying to learn more about where I came from so I've been uh reading you know a lot of Betty White a lot of Phyllis Diller Fran Drescher and I absolutely do have the spark to write a book, but I, I feel like I can't do that until my story is more complete. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Carol Burnett's book was written like after she had accomplished more. I have more that I'd like to accomplish before I start getting on a, yeah. a pulpit and writing my book. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's like go into my soapbox a bit more. <laughs> yeah. Let's go into the Wayback Machine a little bit more and talk about uh, your childhood and whether or not you have any memories about uh, comedy in your childhood. Am I going to owe you a copay after this? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, comedy memories from my childhood. Um, I am aggressively an only child. Uh, It shows quite a bit. I was always very quiet in class. Uh, I was the kind of kid that everybody thought that I was nice because I didn't say a lot, Mm -hmm. but I was just quiet. I wasn't kind. (laughs) So uh, I got away with a lot as a kid because I was a very smart kid and I was uh, very much just keeping to myself. But when I was at home, I would uh, grab, you know, that fake toy microphone and make everybody gather in the living room and watch me (laughs) as I just performed in a tutu. Um, yeah, I, I was always kind of the kid that would say something sarcastic and then the kid next to me would say it louder and get the laugh. Mm. And then at some point in middle school, I became a bit louder about who I was and I was a bit more comfortable with who I was. So uh, by the time I got to high school, I was very determined that I was going to pursue stand-up comedy uh, to the point that I actually told my parents I wasn't going to go to college and that became not an option. So both of them had their master's degrees. I had a bunch of scholarships my college was paid for. So I went, I dropped out twice, but you know, uh, I was sure yeah. <laughs> by the time I dropped out the second time, I was certain that I didn't want to be there. Um, but yeah, when I was in high school, I had a teacher who made me perform stand up to the class. And I was like, well, I don't have anything written. And she said, but you love Jim Carrey, right? And I said, absolutely, I do. And she goes, you know his set word for word. I know you do. So I performed a set of Jim Carrey's wow. to my theory of knowledge class my junior year of high school because my teacher made me. So <laughs> thank you, Miss Moore, for forcing <laughs> me to uh, be vocal and perform for really yeah. the first time doing stand-up even though it wasn't my words it still was nerve-wracking yeah well your so your first quote-unquote first time on stage doing stand-up is a very different for most people's you know the the horrifying oh first open mic or you know the the great first open mic because they brought all of their friends well um, the first time that I performed my own material I was 20 years old uh, I had randomly gone on a road trip to Indianapolis with my friend Stefan and um, we didn't have a plan we just were leaving <laughs> Fort Wayne because Fort Wayne is a beautiful place to leave and yeah. <laughs> uh, so we went for a little road trip and we didn't know what we were going to do but my dad texted me and said there's a comedy club down there you guys might as well go see a comedy show you say it's what you want to do 
So that was uh, one of the first comedy clubs I'd ever been to, first comedy show I'd ever seen. And they didn't card me. So I got a little tipsy on pina coladas. <laughs> it didn't take a lot because I was 20. And so I went up to the comedian that I thought was funniest. And I just said, I want to do what you do. And he was like, let me finish my text message. And he closed his phone because phone still flipped back then. Uh, and then he made me tell him some jokes. He introduced me to the owner. And then uh, his name was John Conroy, the comic that vouched for me, which is very cool because we're still in contact. And he actually hit me up to do show dates in Texas whenever he comes down, which is very cool to see, you know, how people kind of come in and out of your life and how they yeah. affect you. So, uh, he vouched for me and put his name on the line for me. And then I came back and I did a little showcase the following week. So my first time on stage was still very nerve wracking in that way. I didn't really tell a lot of people that it was happening yeah. until after I did it. And then I did the thing where I came home and changed my job on Facebook to comedian, you know, <laughs> like we do. <laughs> but it, the first time on stage when I really did it, I absolutely knew there was no turning back. That's what I wanted to do. So even though I didn't do stand up very often and didn't really professionally pursue it until I moved to Texas, where I was actually able to go out into clubs and, you know, do the grind. Um, I knew from the first time I got on stage in 2013 that that's when I wanted to. So yeah. I count it from, I count from the moment I knew. Yeah. How, uh, how difficult was that for you knowing that you finally, you got a, a true taste and you, you loved it and you didn't want to, you know, turn back on, on your, your path, but being in an area where there aren't the types of choices that you have in, in like you would in, in DFW, how, I mean, what a mental struggle that, that was. So credit where it's due, um, there were a group of guys who started Jerk Comedy, J-I-R-K, uh, which has then evolved and changed into Let's Comedy, which is very successful in Fort Wayne and Indianapolis now. So kind of a little bit after probably, I think, July of 2013. So it was a few months in between, but probably in like June, June or July of 2013, uh, those guys kind of started going to all of these open mics that were music and saying, what if you gave us a comedy night? Ah. And so they started kind of creating the scene, which, you know, after I left, they've got a lot of stuff going on and I love that for them, <laughs> but it wasn't really until after I left and moved towards something bigger that they started developing something very big and real and wonderful in Fort Wayne. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they have like summit city comedy club and there is a little bit more blossoming there. So uh, it was difficult to not have, constant access to the thing I wanted to do all the time. But I will say that it forced me to develop and it prepared me a little bit more for when I did come to Texas in a bigger scene, because Fort Wayne was so small that it wasn't just the same comedians you were performing with, you were performing in front of the same people all the time. Mm. So I had never written a set list or repeated a joke until I moved to Texas really like I just oh. was in front of the same people all the time so I wanted to keep doing different things so by the time I came to Texas I was able to kind of write all of this stuff that I had said down and try to fine-tune and actually craft that five-minute set that we all want to be able to depend on so mm -hmm. I had spent the time I was up there becoming comfortable on stage and adaptable and ready to pivot and move and I also did impromptu in high school uh, so I won improv duo and uh, first in state for improv a couple years in a row. So I was comfortable doing nice. improv and kind of being quick on my feet. So that was all, it was all very useful skills for when I did move and when I did want to start really pursuing it. Yeah. Now, uh, no disrespect, but why did you choose Fort Worth? I had the opportunity. Um, I was friends with a girl. She was one of the people who kind of came out to all the comedy shows. She was um, kind of dating a friend of mine who was friends with a guy I was kind of hanging out with a lot. And so we all just became close and I became friends with her. She was originally from Azel. Okay. She had moved to Fort Wayne to date somebody. It didn't work out. She stayed there for another year and just decided she wanted to move back. She asked me to move with her. So she asked me after uh, we were hung over from a Halloween party, <laughs> she asked me the next morning if I wanted to move to Texas with her. And I was like, yeah. And then she asked me again at 9am and I was like, I already told you yes. I already said yes, yes. So at 9 a.m. I had decided I was moving to Texas and by 7 p.m. I had four of my other guy friends on board to move with me. Oh so my then we gosh. just spent the next month selling all of our stuff, getting ready and driving down. So I was in Texas for 2015 to start. Wow, okay. So when you commit, you fully commit. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. And what did you, what was the scene like? I, 
you know, I have no idea what, what the, I, I, I knew what the Dallas scene was like, but I really didn't, don't have much of a, a sense of what the, the Fort Worth scene was like. And I know Arlington was, was uh, fairly big. Uh, so what, how long did it take you to kind of get your, your orientation of the, the scene that you have at your, at your hands there between Dallas and Fort Worth? Um, I was absolutely desperate for stage time. Mm. So when we first started moving and uh, getting our bearings here, you know, we were also really broke. So we were mm. having to like carpool the things we wanted to do. Two of the guys I moved here with were my gay roommates that I absolutely love and I'm still friends with. And then the other two were guys who also wanted to do stand-up comedy. So the comedians, I'd be like, okay, let's carpool, let's go, let's do stuff. Mm -hmm. And we'd have to, you know, pull our money together and... <laughs> go out and agree with what we were going to do. We were all trying to find jobs. It was all a lot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, there were, there were a lot of clubs, which was really new because in Fort Wayne at the time that I moved, the only comedy club there was, was Snickers, which historically nationally did not have a wonderful reputation. Mm. I mean, I, it was a comedy club in my hometown and there was no opportunity for stage time. Um, mm. They were a very clean club. It was run by a very you know, 80s kind of driven guy. It's um, no longer there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, it was it was a lot of it was a lot to learn. Um, I got on the open mic list at Dallas Comedy House pretty immediately and started meeting a lot of people there and just saying, hi, how do I do more things? What else is happening? And uh, I got in with hyenas and, you know, I was the comic that showed up first, put my name first on the list. I didn't even know when the open mic started because we called ahead. They told us that it started at eight, which was a lie. That's when the pro show started. Yeah. So comedy night actually started at like 10 and we were too poor to go into the main showroom. So we just like hung around the streets of Fort Worth and waited until it was time to go up for the open mic. And I had signed up first name on the list. I went up dead last. Uh, and I just found whoever was running it. And I said, I promise I will be here again. I'm not like a new person. You're going to see a lot of me. Please give me a chance to not go dead last next week. I will absolutely be here every week and do whatever I have to do. Um, so I knew pretty immediately that I wanted to work as an MC for hyenas, which was my goal and my exact one year anniversary after moving here, I had my first opening weekend dates at hyenas comedy club. Wow. There were a lot of very nice people. There were a lot of uh, wonderful people that I got to meet right off the bat. I became friends with a lot of people. Everyone was very kind when I moved here. Um, and genuinely not really in that way where it's like, oh, a new girl. Let me help you write. Mm. Like everyone just genuinely was pretty nice and respectful. Uh, and there were also a lot of very funny women that I got plugged in with right away, which was new because there weren't a lot of women. There weren't a lot of people doing comedy in Fort Wayne when I uh, was doing it. Yeah. But there were also, I mean, of the you know, maybe 20 of us that there were, there were only three women. Mm. So it was really cool to see a lot of women be really good and like really respected. So that was really neat. Um, I did miss one week of an open mic in Dallas and uh, it's where everything kind of turned for me. Cause I already thought that I was hitting it pretty hard, but I missed one week because one of my roommates couldn't carpool out. Like they had to do work or something. And I was like, well, too broke to go. So uh, the next week I showed up and this guy who is funny and he is uh, somebody I would consider a friend now, but he looked at me and he goes, Oh, are you still doing this? <laughs> so I, it flipped a switch in my brain. I got 13 hours of sleep total the next week because I would go work a double at the hospital and then go out and, and I wasn't like a nurse or anything I was working uh -huh. in dietary I feel like I should say that but <laughs> I would just I would go out and hit every piece of stage time that I could get even if it was just like musicians that would allow comedians there I was out everywhere you could possibly be because I will not forget him looking at me and saying are you still doing this and I just wanted people to know who I was so desperately and know yeah. that I didn't I didn't want to quit <laughs> Yeah. I didn't move here to quit. So. <laughs> you took a one week break. <laughs> it wasn't even like my choice. We were just yeah, broke. exactly. It wasn't a break. We were yeah, broke. right. <laughs> it's so funny the, the the different things that motivate us, and uh, it, it's uh, just in this conversation and the the interactions that you and I've had before uh, when we were talking last year about you know, the, the DFW events page, uh, I, 
I have felt a kindred spirit. I'm not technically an only child, but my half brother, mom's previous marriage is much older than I am. So I was raised as an only child. So I, I get that uh, personality type and the being quiet, but being kind of a, a bitch on the inside <laughs> or an aggressive. I do, have an, yeah. I do have an older half brother. I do have an older half brother. Oh my brother gosh. Who's over 10 years older than me. Yeah. <laughs> and then we yeah. have speech and debate in common and uh, just being motivated when somebody just, I'm, glibly says something like oh you're still doing this and that just fires you up and you, oh, you... i'm incredibly spite driven <laughs> yeah i love it you underestimate the power that spite holds it is emotional adrenaline yeah yeah uh where where am i going with this okay so since you are so uh i i'll just say you're you're goal driven uh what where did you, you set a goal to be a, a, a hyena's MC. What was, what did your next goal look like? So my first goal was to work as an MC. My second goal was to make money at comedy every month. Mm. There was one night after an open mic where people gave me some money and they gave me like a lighter and stuff. And I was like, I got money. I got compensated. It was like the first time I'd really gotten compensated for doing something. And it wasn't a show. It was just an open mic where the crowd had decided I was good enough to give me some money. Yeah. And I was like, I want to make money every month. I want to do that. Uh -huh. So then I did everything I could to position myself in a place to get on showcases and to get more time and to get better. So I wanted to make money every month. And then the next year I decided that I wanted to double the amount of money that I made every month from the previous year. And then after that, I decided I was going to produce my own show, which became Claws Out Comedy that kind of fell in my lap, but it, it worked out that way. Um, I have met and exceeded every goal I've ever set for myself, which I am incredibly proud of. Yeah. So I've yeah. set myself for a lot of bigger goals for this year, but I feel very confident that we're going to get there and we're going to be even better than anything. Cause yeah. everything I have ever decided I'm going to do, I have never not done. Yeah. So. That's amazing. Uh, wh why do you, why did you say the claws out fell in your lap? So a club owner wanted me to produce a show in uh, one of their side stages. And I was like, okay, well, if I produce a show, it has to be something that maybe has a shtick. Like mm. what kind of show could I produce? I had produced my first show ever in uh, July of 2016. 17, 2018, I think 2018, uh, called the senseless comedy show, which I was, it was fun, but it was messy. So, uh, the premise of the show was that we would like mess with the senses of each comedian that was up. So I blindfolded somebody and I threw like firecrackers at her feet while she was mm -hmm. on stage. Uh, we had one guy who we were messing with his sense of smell. So we gave him like, a clown nose, which I still have actually, I have a clown nose that we put like a really bad smell in. And he <laughs> thought that was the thing. But then we stood behind him with actual live dead fish on fishing poles. <laughs> so like, it was very fun. I painted my friend uh, green because it was like a July 4th show. So it was, a he, we turned him into the Statue of Liberty for the sense of touch. Um, yeah, so that was the first one, but it was too messy. And I was like, even if I toned it down, it still seems like a lot to do on my own because I yeah. had a co-host for that show, uh, Jimmy Nelson, who helped me and was absolutely incredible. So uh, when I was doing another one, I was like, okay, well, what can I do? So I had just headlined a show at Dallas Comedy House that was like a ladies night. And I was like, okay, well, maybe Fort Worth would want an all-female show. So when Claws Out first began, it was an all-female show. And uh, the second one that we'd done... I'm not entirely sure where the rift happened. You've been in comedy. You know how people are. Sometimes mm -hmm. people just decide they're mad at you and then you get over it, you move on. But the club owner and I had had a uh, fundamental disagreement uh, where he did not communicate with me. And so I decided that I, a lot happened. <laughs> um, there, there, was, there was a lack of communication that resulted in him saying that he was canceling the next Claws Out comedy show. Uh, but it was done directly as a punishment to me. But I had had six other women booked on that show. And I said, no, you don't get to punish other people for being upset with me. Therefore, instead of doing the one show that weekend, I did three shows that weekend. And I booked three times the amount of women and produced three shows within a radius of where we were initially doing it. So it was... Uh, it was a lot. And then I was kind of on sabbatical for like a year producing shows in different venues and smaller venues and working with independent. 
business owners, which was really cool and really fun. And then one year later, uh, I came back to where I had initially started Claws Out and Claws Out had changed since the initial, um, the initial beginning of it to really focus on mental health and normalizing mental health. Um, the, the other aspect of that as well is that I had performed at a couple different events and I've done some of those ladies nights. And I think that the most powerful way to elevate women and femme performers in comedy is to just book them and not say anything about it because we're doing the same job. Like I, mm-hmm. I didn't personally like being reduced to my gender as a shtick or a marketing point. So Claws Out became normalizing mental health, which is something I'm very passionate about. My first album was called Unstable, um, which I was lucky enough to record at the Fort Worth Hyenas Comedy Club. So yeah, it's been it's been a long journey, a lot of development for what Claws Out is and yeah. uh, who I am as a person. Yeah. But, yeah, I did a lot of spite production in that first year. <laughs> You actually brought Claws out down to Austin for a stretch, and I loved the shows that you were bringing down here. I I imagine because I know what that commute is like. I like my parents, you know, lived in Burleson, and I lived down here. I so I that must have been incredibly taxing to uh, run things from afar. Uh, well, I wasn't necessarily if I was coming down most times. Um, what had happened was I had a really crazy 2020, as most of us did. And I was mm-hmm. like, I should probably do less. <laughs> and then my friend Dan, who is Three-Legged Dog Sideshow Productions in Austin, was like, hey, what if we started doing this? They want some comedy. And I was like, I will absolutely do more, actually. <laughs> so when I had first started producing in Austin, uh, it was actually like two weeks after we'd bought a house and moved. So it was incredibly stressful. Literally, literally we were moving stuff and I was like, okay, well, I have to go now because I have to drive to Austin to run something. And so I was coming down almost every single Tuesday um, to run the, yeah. uh, the open mic at a venue that no longer exists, but I wish them well. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, we also got plugged in with Austin Eastsiders who have been absolutely phenomenal. And uh, I really, really enjoyed working with Austin Eastsiders. So I, I like Austin. It was it was an interesting experience to be down there and try to produce in two metroplexes at once. It was a lot. Yeah. Why uh, uh, did you actually reach that point where you realized I am spreading myself too thin? Let me focus on on this. Plus, you you obviously set the goal of recording an album, and there's a whole effort involved with that. Well, my album was recorded in October of 2020. Um, Unstable, I didn't realize when I named it that it would be so on the nose. <laughs> so I actually recorded Unstable um, the weekend, actually, no, the week right after uh, I was going to see my dad in the hospital. So the last time I saw my dad in person was mm. the week that I recorded Unstable. And um yeah. And then like the day after recording the album, I had picked up a marketing gig, which is where I, you know, feel very thankful to have learned a lot of stuff because during the pandemic, couldn't perform live. And so I picked up this marketing gig and they let me go the morning after my album recording. And I was like, <laughs> unstable. Love <laughs> it. Okay. Uh, um, yeah. So, you know, I recorded that in 2020. I released it January 1st, 2021. Um, and then I recorded Unprecedented at the very end as a surprise of mm-hmm. uh, December 2021. And I am now in the editing process of Unprecedented. Yeah. Exciting. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that retreating from Austin, it, it was, um, I shouldn't say retreating. I had a relationship with a venue there that was exhibiting a lot of red flags from a business perspective. And so we severed ties. Uh, and then beyond that, you know, if Austin Eastsiders asked me to come back, I would be back in a heartbeat. I love Austin Eastsiders. Mm-hmm. I just made the professional decision that Claws Out stands for something very specific culturally, which is creating safe spaces for audience members and for comedians. And I, I had this uh, realization that I don't have to be everywhere. I need to be where I can grow, not just where I can go. Yeah. And so it became clear that our business, our business and personal mindsets were not entirely aligned professionally or personally. And so we severed ties. Yeah. 
Although I am incredibly thankful for every opportunity they gave us. I love that we had a foot in the door being in Austin. I got to make, I got to meet a lot of amazing performers and I got to, you know, be down there and show my face and say, Hey, Dallas is cool too. You know? Yeah. And I think there's been quite a, a nice two way, uh, you know, road between Dallas and Austin comics. We're seeing more, more comics from Dallas here. I know Austin mm -hmm. comics are heading up to, to Dallas. So it seems like the Texas scene is getting smaller to me, you know, because people yeah. are, are jumping between cities more easily. Yeah, um, as they should. The, the DFW Metroplex is absolutely incredible. We have so many clubs. We have so many well independent produced shows. Like there's so much opportunity in DFW and it's just growing. Yeah, yeah. And so our, our, the introduction that you and I had is you, you jumped on to submitting your shows to the Comedy Wham Austin events calendar and you, uh, you made a, a comment about how, how you know, it was fairly, fairly easy and then we talked about, hey, maybe we, we should do this in, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and just speaking to your very astute business nature and marketing nature because you produce so many shows you kind of picked up on the idea that you know if your book putting all of your shows in it's it's a really nice platform for <laughs> making sure uh, fans and comics alike know that your shows are are there. So I love Comedy Wham as a platform. Uh, I was absolutely desperate and honestly like I, i'm really really happy that you've expanded into dfw because we, we used before um and i will give credit where it's due you know uh, as far as our scene goes we are pretty organized uh -huh. and uh it is pretty easy to get connected with stage time and opportunity because we are like this is our spreadsheet here's our stuff uh -huh. so uh for a long time i worked as an ambassador for mic maps which was this new app that was kind of like tinder for open mics it just showed you what was in your area yeah. it was almost like uh like an updated bad slava and then uh, the person running Mike Maps kind of dropped off during the pandemic and never returned. And then the app doesn't really work anymore. So when I found Comedy Wham, I was like, absolutely. This is exactly <laughs> what we love, what we need. And I love how you can separate by what you're looking for, like by showcase or by what type of show it is. Like, yeah. I really love how it's created. I think it's really, really smart. Yeah, and our web web guru Richard, he he spent most of last year revamping it, and that's the revamp makes it easier to submit headliners, showcases, mics are are super easy. We're, have always been super easy to submit, but headliners have always been a a, a particular beast that that was difficult to to enter uh, previously, but now it's super easy and. Uh, I think it is uh, the plain is it Plano House of Comedy? Yeah. Yeah. They they've come on board. So they have their contact has been submitting their headliner shows. And I was so pleased because that's that's the goal is that it's all uh, content submitted by comics or comedy clubs because we just want to provide the platform. I don't want to say, well, I like this person, so I'll put their show on our calendar or uh, yeah. I don't, I don't like this person so they can submit, but I'm never going to put it on my calendar. It's uh, that's, I don't have time for that. Well, it's, um, a, it's a very impressive resource for comedy fans and for performers. I really like that yeah. it, it intersects those people and that it is just a useful resource for everyone who enjoys comedy. Yeah. And we've had, uh, you know, I've, I've uh, posted on the, the Dallas, comedy uh facebook page and every once in a while i'll nudge somebody if i see a new show so i'm getting to to learn a lot more about the about the scene up there so it's it's cool it's it's a cool experience and we have you we're, to thank we're for right side, misfits, but we're fun yeah <laughs> yeah um i think that we are at a point where i kind of want to do this new little little segment uh, okay. that i a friend of mine i have to look it's this book called or a game called uh, okay so this game called where should we begin it's a storytelling game and uh i have picked two cards out of the deck of cards i've not looked at what they are and you can tell me pick the right one or the left hand and i'll i'll turn it over and i'll read it and i think you just tell a, a story based on uh the the card or the prompt Okay. Um, before we can, before we do that, can I add one disclaimer in? Because there is, Absolutely. I call it the mis, 
I call it the misconception of Claws Out Comedy because I did initially start it as an all-female show. Yeah. But really just the first five were all women. And then I started working with drag queens. And then a bunch of men were submitting for the shows. And I was like, you know, I, I had had a big revelation about my personal mental health. Uh -huh. over the pandemic and so uh, when we came back and rebranded and did everything it's like there's a little bit of pink in the logo so people think that it is yeah you know a female show but it yeah. is for everybody it is to normalize mental health bad bitches can be sad bitches mental health advocates all of that <laughs> um, we work with vulgarity for charity as well to help uh people who have been left behind by loved ones who have unalived themselves i think is the mm. proper way to say that now <laughs> Yeah. Every everything's censored in terms of the uh, the other words. So yeah. I just wanted to do a little disclaimer that like sure I, I am not <laughs> I am not sexist. People are all allowed. We just only book funny people. So that's why some people might be upset they're not getting on. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. And this is going to be a short story. We'll go back and we'll we'll talk more about your projects and uh, all the, the things just, that you're. <laughs> I just realized that I had said that part and then did uh -huh. not say boys are allowed. There's more to it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Mana, right hand or left hand? Right card or left. left? Left. Left. Okay. Are you left handed? No. Okay. That's where we, we aren't the same. <laughs> All right. So your prompt is a time when I felt on top of the world. Ooh. Um, a time when I felt on top of the world. So uh, pretty recently, I uh, had this incredible opportunity to go out to the Grove in Arkansas and feature for Carlos Mencia. And uh, I was also running a Claws Out show in DFW. So to get seven people paid in like good stage time, it was a really full room out in Denton, Texas, where we produced the dive. Uh, but to get seven performers paid while I was on stage in front of sold out shows with an incredibly kind, wonderful headliner who was paying attention to me and paying attention to me and answering my questions and talking about life and stuff like that felt good to yeah. be in a different state and getting people paid work. Cause I had always been told I can't do both that mm. if you work as a comedian, you can't also be a producer. So that felt really nice because that was the first real moment where I was like, I think I can. Nice. Love it. Love it. Yeah, I, I remember when you were posting on Facebook about this opportunity and, and you landed it and it was so exciting to see, see that recognition by a national, you know, headline or inter, even international headlining act. You know, it's Absolutely changed my life. Carlos is one of the most wonderful people I've ever had the pleasure of working with. He has yeah. this creative magnet around him. I, uh -huh. I don't know how to explain it, but he was uh, he was really instrumental in some emotional growth for me mm -hmm. that weekend. We had some really good conversations about, you know, life and comedy and death because I'm still dealing with uh, processing my father's passing and stuff like that. So yeah. it was a really, really wonderful opportunity that I can't thank the universe and the Grove <laughs> enough for. <laughs> the universe and also more specifically <laughs> Bill out of the Grove. <laughs> Well, uh, speaking of, of uh, amazing opportunities, you also got picked up for this LMAO. It's hard to say that slowly and deliberately yeah. with Binge TV. So we yeah, can watch you fun. on TV. Yeah, it was cool. I, uh, that was aired recently um, uh -huh. for Jewish Live Television Network. It was, it was pretty neat. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and then you've you've recorded this second album that's going to come out this year. You're editing it. So yes. definitely coming out this year. Uh, yes. that's I foolishly I foolishly said that I wanted to learn how to edit. And so I would be doing it myself. Oh, so I've uh, been I've been learning how to do it. So if it comes out and it's not perfect, I'm not a video or sound editor. I'm not a sound engineer. I'm a comedian that's just trying to do everything. So yeah. I just. I thought it would be useful to learn a skill. So I am trying to do that myself. So when unprecedented is released, be kind. <laughs> your your Claws Out comedy isn't just you and you producing shows. It's it's a like an official uh, organization business. You you do design, you do web design, you do marketing for companies. So it's it's really grown from being, you know. There are several comedy production companies and they're just singularly focused on, hey, we're, it's just me and my production company and you've grown it into yours into a much bigger thing. Um, 
how you are so incredibly busy. How often do you stop and reflect at how far you've taken yourself, your business, your comedy since that 2013 when you you first did a, a set? Um, I am constantly reminded of where I came from. I think that it's very easy to feel, especially in the age of social media, where you're seeing what everyone else is doing all of the time. It's very easy to fall into the trap of believing that you're not doing enough. And I am my own worst critic, which is what I've always said. I'm like, you know, even if people talk about me, ah, you'll never hate this bitch as much as I do. That's why you're never going to catch up because I am constantly <laughs> five steps ahead of myself. Like I'm really trying to push myself to be the baddest bitch that I can be. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I am very well aware that I came from a point where I only had $5 in my bank account. And my mom told me to either get arrested or make it work because it wasn't her decision <laughs> to move to Texas. Oof. She said that if I got arrested to just make sure it wasn't a felony and I would get a roof over my head and some free meals if that's what I needed. So well, that's advice. <laughs> I mean, my, my mother is a very accomplished woman and she's, <sighs> she's absolutely right because it made me make it work. So yeah. I am, I am very well aware of where I came from. It is, uh, it's been an incredible past couple years. Like even since 2020, um, you know, I had gotten diagnosed uh, previously with bipolar disorder at a very young age. You know, I was uh, put on lithium when I was like 19. I was diagnosed mm -hmm. with depression when I was like 11. When I should be at a, when I should be getting a Hogwarts letter, they gave me Celexa. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, I've, I've lived with these, these mental health diagnoses and the stigma surrounding it my entire life. I didn't really talk about it on stage until a couple of years ago. And I felt, I felt so brave recording Unstable. But since talking about the bipolar disorder, the borderline personality disorder, like I released Unstable and got a different diagnosis in 2021. Oh. Oh, I was wow. diagnosed with PMDD, which is... Um, changed my life because we just adjusted my birth control and now I'm fine. <laughs> like, my, my problem this entire time was just being a lady. So uh, <laughs> it's really been, it's been a big journey, you know, personally and professionally for me the, the past couple of years. I am, I am constantly gracious and amazed that I get to do this. And I'm very happy. Like there will be times where I, I catch myself in my work because I am a very busy person as I like yeah. to be. And I'll be like, oh, I have to do this. And I'm like, no, I get to do this. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Shut up. I get to do this. I get to do the thing I love. Like I might be stressed out, but I wouldn't want to be stressed out doing anything else ever in the world. Like I absolutely love where I'm at and what I'm doing. And I I feel very aligned to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing. The uh, the last call center job that I had was the last job I told myself I was ever going to have. So aside from picking up that marketing gig, which really, you know, helped me a lot for my personal and like branding and development and yeah. making connections and stuff. Like aside from that, I've just been working for myself. And it's uh, it's been very interesting because I, I really struggled in nine to five positions and I really struggled when I was working at these jobs, but like being an entrepreneur, I just feel like I was struggling because I was not doing what I was intended to be doing. So like working for myself and having all of this energy that I can focus and like, you know, actually exercise my creativity and feel uh, complete and driven and, you know, whole about what I'm doing. Like I, I, I was upset because I wasn't doing what I was meant to do. Yeah. And now I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. If that makes any sense at all. Like, I yeah. feel like I, I felt like I was stifled and I was not successful and I was upset all the time. And it's because I wasn't doing what I was designed to do. Like my level of energy is very attuned to doing stand-up and production. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So are you officially not a nine to fiver? You are full time yeah. yourself. That's amazing. Yeah. I was full time um, 2019 and wow. then the pandemic hit and I was like, Whoa, things are different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, 2019, 2018. I don't know. Whenever I got fired from my last job. And they're being sued now. I'm part of a class action lawsuit. Oh, I was so oh, excited. Wow. Well, of course they are. I tried to sue them. Of course they're being sued. I'm glad that, <laughs> that I get to be a part of it. Wow. A lot of vindication for this year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, well, uh, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to to make sure people know about you? Um, I don't know. Let's see. I I've been having a 
I guess I guess something that would be important for people to know about me is that everything that I did last year, like driving to produce in Austin and like doing stuff in Houston and really getting claws out like everywhere that we can be. Um, I did all of that while processing the death of my dad, which was like a lot. It still is a yeah. lot. So like everything that I am doing and every time I get on stage to tell jokes, like I like for people to take with a grain of salt that I am doing all of this under intense emotional duress because there was never a funeral or anything. Mm. Um, so that being said, I am working on another project <laughs> further down the line. Uh, and I hope that if anybody listens to this, you might think about how you're going to die because uh, I'm, I'm now in an intense legal battle that I shouldn't have to be in. And it could have been easily avoided by people accepting that they will not be here forever. And I think that that is also why I'm so motivated to leave behind something that will last beyond me and why I, uh, I'm so driven to do the things that I can while I'm alive is because we're all going to die and that's okay. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. a lot of fear that comes with not talking about it. So like, it, it's just silly. The same way that I'm trying to destigmatize mental health because everybody has mental health problems. <laughs> Literally everybody has something going on. Right. And all of us are going to die. Like, I just want us to take more of a hold on the self-awareness that we're all avoiding by scrolling through TikTok all day. Like, I just yeah. want us to focus on things that matter and things that last and uh, pursue your dreams and, you know, you can have anything you want in this world. The hardest thing that you'll ever have to do is just decide what it is you want. Cause you can have whatever you want. You just have to decide what it is. Right. Right. Well, I, I feel great compassion for you. I, I lost my dad. Uh, I guess this is the fifth year and, you know, I, I carry a lot of, of him with me and uh, my, my son lost his dad. So, you know, losing dads definitely gets me right there. So well, I, I feel the, for the thing you. With, I think the thing with dead dads is, uh, you know, if you don't have one, you're gonna, <laughs> <laughs> you know, death, death is a part of life. And I, yeah. I opened this new side of myself and trying to laugh about that. I think that yeah. comedy is not taken as seriously as it should be as, something that is, you know, stand-up has, stand-up doesn't get the respect it deserves. It really doesn't. Stand-up mm-hmm. is this incredible artistic art form where you can really transform pain into something that is not only palatable, but relatable and funny. Uh-huh. Like it is so satisfying to me to take the darkest, ugliest, most upsetting parts of myself and the things I've experienced and say I'm on stage and then get that immediate reaction of yes or no. Because <laughs> yeah. you find out right away if it's a yes or a no from the crowds you're in front of. Uh-huh. But I, I think that stand-up is not as respected as it really should be. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and since my, my personal experiences with dead dads, uh, I am so much more attuned to the comics who do go into that dark territory and, and appreciate so much more them doing it with, with skill than you know just a oh, it's a dead dad joke or a dead mom joke yeah. or whatever it's like do Another it and, dead dad joke. yeah oh man it's, yeah. it's so much a part of life and it's so silly that we don't talk about it I didn't realize yeah. how silly it was until I became on this side of it where I'm like why why do, why are we so afraid of it yeah it's so silly yeah uh, I mean just you know, here you and I are, and it's, it's a commonality that we have. It is, you're right. It's it, literally it everyone. Everyone. If, if you're everyone. not there yet, you will get there. And how yeah. exciting is that for you? <laughs> <laughs> All of this pain can one day be yours. Yeah. <laughs> Call now for your discount. Yeah. Code. yeah you no. know, comedy, comedy and stand up. even if you don't pursue it professionally, the art of writing at its core is so absolutely integral and powerful to the human experience and to processing your emotions and to finding healing. Like, even if it's not stand up, you know, I think that's why people connect with music so much, you know, Taylor Swift, why is she so big? Because she's writing about the things that she feels and she's putting, she's putting words to feelings. And that's yeah. what, that's what we're doing is we're just putting words to feelings. And then, you know, hoping that that content reaches people who go, Oh, me too. Finally, someone said it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, anything else? <laughs> Um, 
I have a big show coming up on February 3rd at the Arlington Improv. Uh, Claws Out is finding a home there, and we're doing a big comedy drag show, which is very exciting. Uh, we have the amazing Salem Moon, one of the most incredible drag queens I've ever had the fortune of working with. Um, she sings her own songs, and it's absolutely the, the talent is mind blowing. So um, we have that. I have a Claws Out comedy workshop coming up on February 6th. I'm doing a one afternoon seminar, I guess, on uh, everything, you know, because I do I do influencer stuff. I do brand deals. I do content creation and everything I've done with Claws Out. I've really been building and doing myself. I have a few people who are absolutely instrumental to production like Ruth Banks. We couldn't do stuff without Ruth Banks. Um, and, you know, we have uh, some really good some really good insight, I think, to creating and doing and monetizing and doing what you want to do professionally. So mm -hmm. I do have that on February 6th with limited space at the Twilight Lounge in Fort Worth, Texas. And uh, yeah, just a lot of things on the horizon. We're going to produce four different records this year for comedians under Claws Out Comedy Records. So I'm trying to get all that stuff set up. Unprecedented will come out soon, my new album. And uh, yeah, okay. a, lot of, a lot of stuff. Good things on the horizon. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to give you a chance to promote uh, at least your, your social media and your website in just a moment, but I want to ask you my closing question. Are you ready? I guess so. One word to describe your future. Inevitable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're so pragmatic. <laughs> my past was necessary my future is inevitable i do have one other thing that i think might tickle you so yeah. um about media and entertainment i did intentionally make the acronym come because they always say some women can't but all i do is come and i love the digital marketing side of it because my goal is to just put everyone's you know face in front of come <laughs> well there you go um, <laughs> That does tickle me. <laughs> All right. You, you've seen the brand. We're a very polished Mary Kay ass yes. professional. But I also love that our contracts have this very professional logo and branding and verbiage, but it is also come. <laughs> I'm still a comedian at the root of all of this. And it's a, it's a sex joke. I think it's funny. <laughs> so, sometimes you can't take yourself too seriously, right? <laughs> yeah, I think it's fun. <laughs> That is a wrap on Comedy Wham Presents. Mana, tell us where we can find you on social media, your website, and anything I else. Am, I am incredibly on monacomedy.com. I am monacomedy on Instagram and TikTok and all of the places that you watch anyone do anything. Um, and if you want any bad bitches can be sad bitches merchandise, you can get that at monocomedy.com or at clawsoutcomedy.com. And if you have flyer needs, I will make your little graphic for you at clawsoutmedia.com. Wow, very nice, very nice. And once you do that, you can submit that to the Comedy Wham events page. Absolutely. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed learning about how Mana got to be the comedic genius that you heard today, just as much as, as I have. That's been Comedy Wham Presents Mana. I'm Valerie, and that's been funny. Thank you, Mana. Thank you for having me on. <laughs>